And so as we look at this topic, getting to know Jesus through fellowship with other believers, John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one toward another. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. Sometimes when we think about love, we oftentimes think this is a feeling. Okay? I love coffee. Praise God. Um, I love my wife. Praise the Lord. So on and so forth. We can use the word love in so many different contexts, right? It can mean I really like something. I have feelings for it. Also, um, as I saw on somebody's social media post recently with a big triple hamburger, I would die for you, the post said. Um, They love triple hamburgers. Amen. And on the right day, I feel the same way. It's saying that it, that you should have love for one for another, right? Uh, for a Christian, when we come to a church, when we come to our church, we should know and feel love. We should love one another. But what does that mean, right? Um, with point number one, involvement in a healthy church will provide you with love and encouragement. First Corinthians 13 is written to a church, the church at Corinth. And it's in a church that is a very selfish church. It was a very carnal church, we say. They weren't really acting the way Christ would act. They were acting the way all the lost people in their town would act. And so in this this section, okay, remember when we're trying to understand the Bible, we always try to understand the context in which it's written, right? He's talking about this big issue that encapsulates several chapters And he's talking about how they would fight one another, how they were arguing, how they were trying to show I'm the most spiritual in the church because I have this spiritual gift or that spiritual gift. It was very competitive. Um, And so he says the rule for Christians in the church is that we should have love. Now, in the King James, it uses the word charity, but we know this to be agape love. This is the same kind of love that we Find in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. It doesn't mean that he so had feelings of love for the world. It means that he so chose to do what love would do. That's what love is. That's what God's love is. I'm choosing the action. I'm making the choice to do what love would do in this moment. This is what a healthy church does. This is what a healthy relationship does. This is what a relationship between two Christians should do for one another, is that we should choose to have, choose to make the choices that love would make. So 1 Corinthians 13. Good morning. Welcome. Let's make sure we have enough seats for everybody if we can. You guys allergic to one another? Okay. Sometimes they need to be picked on a little. 1 Corinthians 13, please. 
getting to know Jesus through fellowship with other believers. If we choose not to go to church, even if we're absolutely born again, we are missing out on feeling the love of Christ and on experiencing his love and on giving his love. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I have become as sounding brass or as a tinkling cymbal. How many of you guys ever walked through the mall? And uh, now if you work at one of these places, I'm not trying to insult you, right? But, oh, here's one. How many of you ever walked through uh, Canadian Tire? As soon as you walk in, they have those people that are sitting there. Can I interest you in a credit card? No. Never. Leave me alone! Right? That's what you want to say. Sorry, that was a little loud. Um, That's what this is talking about. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I become a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. It's like those annoying sounds in the marketplace where they're trying to get your attention and get you to come over and buy something. Right? If we do not choose the, the, the actions of what love would do and we're only using our words and there's no action behind it, then it's empty. It's just salesmanship. Verse two, though I have the gift, excuse me, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Notice it says it profiteth me nothing. If I'm not willing to act the way charity would act or act in the way love would act, it doesn't profit me anything. Here's the thing about Christian love. It profits both the giver and the receiver. It profits both. Again, looking at God as the example, for God so loved the world, he gave. What profit is there in God showing his love to the world? What does he get? Any thoughts? Sorry? He gets joy. Is there joy in heaven when one sinner repents? Yeah, right? There's joy in heaven. Right? He gets to experience that joy. He, he, he gets to have glory to his name. There is benefit when we show love. It benefits us. And there's this, there can be this strange thinking in saying, well, if I come to church and I kind of protect myself and just kind of like, I, I, we, we all kind of you know, get, get to where we're finding our comfort zone. I get that. But, but some people, it's like, I want to protect myself from, from getting too involved in church. Well, you're missing out. It profits you less, okay? And also, of course, it doesn't profit the whole group, the whole body. Verse number four, charity suffereth long and is kind. These are actions. These are choices. Suffereth long means to suffer long and suffer long again. It means a big dose of patience with an extra big dose of patience. We went to Tom's Dairy yesterday. Pastor, it's too cold. It's not too cold. And you get a 
a soft serve of vanilla ice cream, hot fudge sundae is what I get, with Reese's peanut butter crumbles on top. Praise God. You say, that's not healthy. I know. Right? You can't eat that every day. You can eat it every once in a while. I can't remember what my illustration was supposed to be. Oh, charity suffereth long and is kind. So <laughs> it's like, look, I want a big scoop of that. And then I want another big scoop of that. Right? That's what it's saying when it's talking about the choices that charity makes. These are choices. These are not feelings. Right? When we're choosing to love the way Christ would love towards one another, these are choices that we're making. Because we're not going to feel like it, but God's going to help us to make the right choice. When God says to love your enemies, he's not saying have warm, fuzzy feelings towards them. He's saying make the right choices toward them. That kind of re- that's kind of a relief. Right? It really is. The truth will set you free. Isn't that what Jesus said? Okay. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, seeketh not her own, is not selfish, seeketh not her own, cares about the other person more instead of caring more about me. Right? This is the description of a really, really good church. This should be the goal for Sparrow Baptist Church. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, where we make the right choices toward one another. We make the Jesus choice toward one another. It doesn't have anything to do with our feelings, right? We make the right choice toward one another so that it benefits your Christian life and it benefits me too, right? So why is church important? Number one, involvement in a healthy church. We could say that about 1 Corinthians 13. This is a healthy church a description of a healthy church. Involvement in a healthy church will provide you with love and encouragement. Who would like to have more Christian love given to them in their life? Well, we all would, right? Uh, Here's a question. Can you experience Christian love by watching it digitally? No, no, right? Um, And so... Remember, when scripture was written, the whole digital option certainly was not in the mind of the writers. Not even close. If you wanted to experience church at all, you had to go, right? Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Remember, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. It's so interesting how when somebody does something, or they act a certain way, or maybe... They didn't see us or they, they didn't shake our hand or some people can, we can all get bent out of shape about something. And it's like, you know what, you know what love chooses to do? It chooses to give them the benefit of the doubt. Thinketh no evil. Should we do this for our spouses? Should this be a description of the way we treat our spouse? hundred percent. You say, well, I'm not married to somebody who's a Christian or they're not following. Even more important, wouldn't you say? How are they going to see Jesus in us when we make the love choice, when we make the Jesus choice? Yeah? You say, well, that's impossible. It's true, but nothing's impossible with God. God can give us the grace to make the Jesus choice. Man, that sounds like a really nice sermon title. Right? God can give us the grace to make the Jesus choice. 
So I don't want to. Yeah, I know. But he can still help us to make the right choice when we don't really feel like doing it. Okay? Thinketh no evil. Satan's the one that puts all those accusations in our mind. They knew what they were doing. They've been planning this for months. Really? Maybe you've been watching too many movies. Right? Maybe. Number six, rejoiceth not in iniquity. <laughs> do you see what they did? Man, they fell flat on their face. Oh my goodness. Right? Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Love rejoices in the truth. Love rejoices in the truth. Love rejoices in the truth. What is the truth? Well, Jesus said in John 17, thy word is truth. Love rejoices in the truth of God's word. When we choose God's word, we are choosing love because God is love. And thy word is truth. Love is not just love. Hello. But we, the word love is thrown around a lot. You know, the, it seems like to me, the way the world uses the word love nowadays is you need to let me do whatever I want to do. Whatever that choice is. And that's love. And if you loved me, that's not what God does. God loves us. Listen, God loves us too much to just let us do what we want to do. I certainly wouldn't take that attitude with my children. Marcus is nine, Savannah's 11. Here they are running right, right towards the street. Now they don't do this, but little bitty kids do. You know, here's something I learned in getting a puppy dog. You know, puppies can walk like as soon as they're born. Not maybe not great, but they, they're mobile. You know what I mean? You got to watch. It is the absolute mercy of God that infant children cannot walk when they're first born. How much trouble? I mean, as, as soon as they're born, all of a sudden they're walking, they're walking down the hall of the hospital? Honestly, four months old. They're just, they're this big, like a baby doll size. And they're just, here come the stairs. Honestly, right? It's the mercy of God they can't walk until they can walk. But parents who love their children, they're the one that use their wisdom. They know, oh no, that's gonna hurt you. No, you can't put that in your mouth. You can put that in your mouth, but you can't put that in your mouth, right? We get the little things that go into the electrical outlets so they don't stick their little baby tiny fingers in there. That's not good, right? So love chooses the truth. I love you, and because I love you, I'm gonna choose the truth in this situation. And I'm going to do so in a loving way, but that's the choice I'm going to make. Yeah. Well, what is the truth? Well, why don't you just let me, let me live my truth? <clears throat> Again, let's go back to the, we don't, we don't think that with, if, 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 if our little dog, Oliver, could talk, 
You know what? You know what in truth he wants to live? Leave the gate open so I can run around the neighborhood at my leisure. Why don't you just let me live my truth? Well, because you're going to get flattened by a car. That's why. Oh man, last night I took him out. Woo. I just remembered this. I haven't told April this story. Last night I took him out at 8.30, you know, 8.39, the quick little walk. So he goes to sleep, right? Puppies are a lot like kids. As soon as we come around, out at the driveway, we're walking down, and all of a sudden he starts growling. We're right there on the edge, right there on the edge of our, of our yard. And, uh, and all of a sudden I see this flash just out of the corner of my eye. He's kind of lunging a little bit on the leash. Thank God he's only like this big. Lunging on the leash. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this. I see this kind of like this waddle and this flash of black and white. It was a skunk. Oh my word. Now what did he want to do? He wanted to check out the skunk. He wanted to maybe fight. Maybe give it a sniff. But I'm the dad. I'm a puppy dad. Don't get me the t-shirt. Because I'm a real dad of children. Right? But as soon as I see the flash of, of black and white, big old fat, big old fat skunk. I mean, there's just something that kicks in. It's the, it's the fight or flight. I wasn't about to fight. I was, I was going into flight mode, right? I'm dragging. I'm just sprinting down the road, man, just like Olympic sprinter. Get down about 40, 40 meters or so, look back. <laughs> looking back to see if he's coming after us. Now Oliver's looking at me. My dog's looking at me like, what's the deal? What is, hey, it's just, a, it's just another animal. We, we're going to do the little sniff test and... We're going to be friends. You stole a friend from me. You big meanie. Why don't you let me live my truth? Come on now. When we apply that to us as human beings. God says, no, no, no. I love you too much to let you live your truth. You need to live the truth. And this is a culture, the local church is a culture of nobody living it perfectly, but in Christian love, trying to make the Jesus choice, which is written in his word, and together we're living his truth. We're living his truth. Yeah? That's what we're doing. That's why church is important. Because if we're not careful... The suggestions of not bad people, but people that aren't coming to the foundation of truth. They're not coming to the foundation of God's truth. And their, their definition of love is more based perhaps on feeling than it is on, I'm going to do the right choice. We can get caught up in that if we're not actually faithful in church. And then what happens? Life gets complicated really quick. Life gets complicated really quick. Pastor, I want to know the deepest truth you can give me. Give me one of the five deepest truths. Is that on this side today? Evangelism, worship, fellowship, serving, discipleship. You know where we do this? 
do it in church. I want to live a safe life. Go to church. I want to live a happy life. Go to church. Perfect life, that doesn't exist. That exists in heaven one day. Okay? There's no such thing as a perfect church. No such thing as a perfect church. There's no such thing as a perfect pastor. I hear stories and pains of previous experiences, and we all have those stories. And it's true. Amen. I have them. You have them. But it shouldn't. We should not let the we should not let the enemy convince us you're safer by yourself. By the way, that's what the wolf always says to the sheep. You're safer by yourself. Hey, let's have a the wolf goes up to the sheep and says, Hey. Well, I don't mean you. Why don't we have coffee over here away from everybody else? <laughs> Let's go for a coffee. <laughs> and you'll be the pastry. Okay. Um, all right. Next point. You will learn from more mature Christians. You will learn from more mature Christians. Why go to church? Involvement in a healthy church will provide you with love and encouragement. You need a place where you can be encouraged in your faith and reminded you are a member of God's family. You'll be surrounded by people who know and love Jesus Christ. You will not experience this anywhere else, okay? If I can just give just a a little bit of a pointer here, it doesn't mean you're gonna become best friends with everybody in the church. That's just not possible, especially as our church continues to grow. By the way, isn't it encouraging to see our church grow? What a blessing, what a great God. He wants this church here. He wants you in this church, okay? But we need to show one another love. Doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna be best friends with everybody, but it means we can be friendly to everybody, okay? It means if someone offends us, we can forgive them. We can go on, okay? It doesn't necessarily mean everybody's gonna be at everybody's house and everybody's gonna be texting everybody and it's just gonna be like, oh, it's gonna be, it's just gonna be, no, that'll be in heaven, right? Right now, unfortunately, we all have to put up with the sin nature. Okay, and personality differences and all that. And, and of course, we look around the room, we have many different nationalities represented as well. Guys, and I, and I try to say this often at Sparrow Baptist Church. When we're talking about how charity suffereth long and is kind and doesn't think evil, I don't know how many times in my life at Sparrow Baptist Church, in my life when I was in Nepal, in that other country, when I thought somebody said something and I thought they meant that when they really meant this or their body language, I thought they meant that by their body language when in reality they went that. What, what was the confusion? Culture. Culture. There can be cultural confusion. One day when we're all in heaven, the Bible says that every nation language is going to be there. It's going to be there too. We're not all going to become, some people think, we're all going to become Jewish men. What? No, 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 no. I I heard that one time. Somebody said that. We're all going to be just like Jesus, so we're all going to become Jewish men. No. The Bible says in, in heaven, we're going to retain our nationality in that and that language and like there's going to be some representation that, that that's, that's who we are. 
we need to make sure that we show love to one another because we make the right choices towards one another because we can easily become confused because we, we've got all different backgrounds. We've got different hurts. We protect ourselves in different ways. But also we show love and we show acceptance and we show hospitality and we we show all of these in different ways too because we're all from different cultures. Yeah? But what a beautiful thing. Listen, this world is trying to get that right. Now some, some aren't, but some people in the world are trying to get the racial question and problem. They're, try, they're trying to work on it. They're trying to get it right. They ought to be able to look to the church as an example of a people who are not perfect, but we try to accept one another and make Jesus choices towards one another called love. Don't you think that's true? It's absolutely true. They ought to be able to look at a church and say, what we're trying to accomplish, they don't do perfectly, but they're, they're certainly doing a good job of it. Amen? It's good. Okay. You will learn from more mature, more mature Christians. You'll be able to learn from other believers who have walked with Christ for many years through all kinds of situations and life experiences. God told us in Matthew to go and make disciples of every nation. You will gain spiritual insight and wisdom from them, and they will teach you how to walk and think as a believer. Once again, in Acts 9 and 26 and 27, and when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself, or he had attempted to join himself to the disciples. They were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. He thought he was tricking them. Thought he was trying to pretend to be a Christian so he could come in and then eventually arrest them and take them into jail and kill them, right? Verse 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Took him right up to the leadership, right? A more mature Christian. I would not be standing before you today were it not for more mature Christians, men and women, who sought to mentor me and by the way, this all depends on the attitude and the spirit and the heart of the less mature. In the room, we all have areas to grow, but we also all have something to share. It doesn't mean we go around telling everybody what to do. Well, I read a book one time, and so I know exactly what I should say to you right now. And so sit down. Let me mentor you whether you want me to or not. Well, that sounds like a hostage situation. It doesn't sound like mentorship. Respect one another as people, as, as persons. But really, again, if we fall back on the first one, on the love part, I'm going to act like Jesus towards you. I'm going to care. And in that conversation... If I have something that might help that person and God puts it on my heart to be able to say that. Some people want to take mentorship into I'm the puppet master and I'm going to control everybody. We don't use puppets anymore. Right? That's not mentorship. Mentorship is what Barnabas did where it says he comes and he comes alongside of him and says, come on, let's go. I know you want to go this way anyway. And I know how to go. So 
Let's go together. That's what mentorship is. You may have a life experience where God has helped you with that. In your marriage, in choosing a mate, in growing in grace. Something as simple as getting baptized for some people is a huge deal. And you may have an experience you might be able to share and say, hey, this was my experience. This is my story. That's Christian love. That's making the right choice. Here's a question. Can you do that if you're watching digitally? It's really hard. The joy of being able to share what God has done for you and being able to help somebody else. Wow. Wow. Listen, uh, people who are bored in their Christianity need to learn to think outside of themselves. You're not bored when you're trying to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. Amen. You will learn from more mature Christians. So if I can say this, allow more mature Christians to help you. Allow them to help you. Hey, did you read your Bible today? What'd you get out of your Bible this week? Oh, that's private. I would, I would never, I would, I would never ask somebody. Come on. Right? Why are you offended? Probably because you didn't read your Bible this week. Right? Let's not be offensive when we're trying to help a brother or sister. Christian love. Speaking the truth in love. Right? But we ought to be ones who encourage one another in how to share our faith and how to walk with Christ and how to serve the Lord. Number three, involvement in a healthy church will help you to discern the truth and avoid wrong teaching. We kind of already touched on this a little bit. Let's look at that verse together, John 17. This one's easy to remember, this reference, because it's 17, 17. John 17, 17. John 17, 17. Sanctify them. What does sanctify mean? I'm going to take a sip of coffee. Set apart, Ms. Eden says. Anything else? That's correct. Sanctify them. Mm -hmm. To set them apart for a specific use. Sanctify, to make holy. Right? In my mind, I always think about my toothbrush. Not as in like my toothbrush is holy, as in like some, you know, it's got like this glow from heaven. Hopefully not. That'd be weird. Okay. But my toothbrush is set apart for a specific purpose and for a specific person. Right? Is that true? Hopefully that's true of you as well. (laughs) Right? Set apart for a specific purpose for a specific person. That's what sanctify means. Just like your toothbrush. Hopefully you don't have a family toothbrush. They're not that expensive. Let us buy it. Let us, let us, let us buy you one. Like, you know, here's Marcus. He's, okay, dad, here you go. Your turn. No, no, we don't do that. That's not okay. Right? Well, God doesn't want us as Christians to say, okay, world, here I am. I'll do whatever 
all the lost people are doing without thinking, whatever, let's just do that. And then, okay, God, here we are. Let's do what you want on this day because it's Sunday. Oh, church, yeah, let's, let's do what you want because we're all, I don't know, let's sanctify ourselves. Let's allow God to set us apart for a purpose, for a person. He's the person. Listen, it's not for us. Holiness is never, listen, holiness is always unto the Lord. It's for him. It's worship. When God works in our heart to make choices that make us a little different from the people we work with or perhaps live with if they're not believers or perhaps even friends that we have are not believers, we're a little bit different. That's okay. It's for him. It's a sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, it says in Romans 12 and verse 1. Sanctify them, Jesus prayed. Sanctify them. How? Through thy truth. Then it says, thy word is truth. Okay? Thy word is truth. Involvement in healthy church will help you to discern the truth and avoid wrong teaching. Here's a question. Is there wrong teaching out there? Yes. What happens if we believe wrong teaching? What's going to happen to us? Are we going to lose our salvation? No, not if we're saved. Is it possible to lose our salvation? No. Here's a question. Are there groups, Christian groups out there, who teach that you can lose your salvation? Yes. Yes. So if I don't have any discernment, and I'm not learning that I cannot based on what the Bible teaches, and I'm now sitting in a group of people that think that, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my confidence? I've heard people have multiple salvation stories. Multiple times they're baptized because the church they were going to kept telling them, well, if you sin a bad enough sin, you'll lose your salvation. And he said, oh, what sin is that? We don't know. You don't know? No, we don't know. But we think, how confusing is that? Involvement in a healthy church will help you to discern the truth and avoid wrong teaching. It saves you from a life of confusion. It saves you from a life of fear. It saves you from a life of desperation and loneliness. The truth is safe. The truth is safe. The truth sets us apart for God's service. We hear lots of messages every day. Going to church will help you filter what is true and what is not. This should be our life filter. You, you see messages every day, whether it's on, on social media, on the news, on whatever content you subscribe to, uh, on billboards if you're taking the subway and you're out by the bus. I mean, there's just there's little messages, little sayings, little things all the time, everywhere. It's everywhere, Right? Should we believe, is everything is everything acceptable? Is everything okay? Should we take everything on board? Should we believe every single thing? Some of us are readers. You like to read? How many of you are readers? Couple of hands, couple of hands. Okay, good. Um, if you're like, mm, 
before? Yeah, okay. Alright. Others are more of like, you know, I'm more of like a, an audio, like a podcast or or you I've got a friend who's like, I'm only, yeah, just just YouTube. You mean you just want me to listen to it without any picture? It's like, dude, it's called the radio. I mean, like it's called podcast. It's a thing. No, I've got to have the picture. I've got to watch their mouth move. Okay. That's okay. Whatever. Right? That's your thing. And many of us do both. But how do we know? Look, we know that we cannot automatically believe everything that we see in the media and books. We know that we have to have discernment. We have to use our... But here's the thing. If we're not careful, we'll take a spirit of skepticism and we'll begin to apply it to this one too. That's a problem. The truth is not afraid of questions. If you have questions about something that this book says, then we can investigate it. The truth is not afraid of questions. If you have any question about the truth, it can be found. And it will prove itself to be true. Amen. This is not placebo. This is not a fake pill that tricks our brain into making life feel better. This is the truth. Amen. We don't have to be afraid to dig into it. Amen. Okay. Well, it doesn't agree with science. You sure about that? Here's the question. Does science agree with science? True science agrees with true science. It can be replicated. Is that true? But scientific theory, that's something different entirely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's good. All right. Number four, we have two minutes. A healthy church will help you prepare for Christ's return. Well, I think I can do that on my own. No, you can't. Neither can I. Mm-mm. Um, we'll be judged by Jesus for the responsibility to go and participate in a local Bible-believing, Bible-practicing church. Let me say that one more time. We will be judged by Jesus for the responsibility to go and participate in a local Bible-believing, Bible-practicing church. People are God's agents of change. Now, theologically, the Holy Spirit is God's agent of change. But the Holy Spirit dwells within our hearts as believers. Many times when God is working in our life for us to change and grow, he uses people. He uses the Holy Spirit within us, but he uses other people to help us to grow and to change. As we listen to God's word, yield to the Holy Spirit within us, we grow individually, but God also grows our love, grows love in our hearts towards other believers. We love on them and invite them to change according to God's word too. We help them up when they stumble and lovingly warn them when they stray. A healthy church will help you prepare for Christ's return. Okay. Thank you so much for your kind attention. We're going to break the tables down after we pray. And we will um, put the tables out in the hallway and get ready for the next service. Next week, we will talk about, oop, not the Christmas schedule, the first church in Jerusalem, learning church, loving church, worshiping church, evangelistic church. We'll cover that next week.
Come back, and then after next week, Lord willing, no promises unless the Holy Spirit leads me to extend this, most likely we will be going on to how to have victory over temptation. That's the next chapter in our little book. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to worship you, to soak in your truth, to be refreshed and corrected in a loving and kind way. Lord, help us to grow together as a church family. Lord, help us to love you. Help us to love one another and to make the Jesus choice. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Amazing. Good to see you. How are you? Good. Welcome. We're getting ready for the next service. So we'll break down the tables and set up all the chairs, okay? Yeah. Yeah, there's one more service at 11. Yeah. I can just encourage everybody uh, real quick. If you just hold up just a second. This slide on the on the screen, if you could snap a photo of that with your phone sometime today to remind you of the uh, schedule for December. Okay, thanks.